Greetings, heathens and heretics, and welcome to another episode of In the Abyss. Uh, there's no voice of reason to bring a level of sense to things this week, so uh, I probably should apologise beforehand, because just in case it gets out of hand. Um, the good news is, though, we're joined by David Savage, who owns the Southwest's only 100% dedicated heavy metal record shop, Black City Records. Um, a, a true defender of the metal faith, I would say, going by that. hope so. Um, David, welcome, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you for inviting me. We are both from the West Country as well, by the way. We're both Cornish. Oh, uh, okay. Nice. So, uh, yeah. So that's that's part of the reason why I reached out to you, really, because it's, you know... You need to drag, drag your asses up here and see me then. Well, yeah, we do. I mean, it's like when we were young, growing up in Cornwall, we had a couple of sort of shitty little secondhand places that we'd go to. Um, what's the one in Camborne? Lost in Music, wasn't it? Lost in Okay, I, I I wouldn't describe that place as shitty because that, that was... A, well, you, know, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. Yeah, but, that was the only place. That, that was the... Okay, so there was... There was that place, and then there was the old record store in the Pannier Market in Truro. Yeah. But that was about, and then we had like a really cool, like heavy metal T-shirt shop in Falmouth called the Outer Limits. The guy was a legend who owned it. Um, but that was about it. But there was nowhere to see gigs. There was nothing. Yeah, we um, we were we were starved of it, and um, yeah, when when we both sort of set ourselves free from Cornwall at the end of the nineties to go to university, it was like being you know. Allowed into this outside world of live music and and, and record shops. Yeah, I, I just I remember I remember the first time we went to Metro's in Cardiff. Me and Rob and you walk in and they're playing like vulgar display of power and you're just like what 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 is this what what is going on? <laughs> you know, Shout, um, sheltered upbringing. But um, but anyway, not we're not here to talk about our uh, our, our, <laughs> our backwards upbringing. Um, so the reason we got David on this week is you know to talk about. To talk about vinyl, to to fawn over a little bit, to talk about the shop, you know, it's uh, you've you've already built a bit of a little bit of a history in the couple of years you've been open. You know, you've had some famous faces in the shop as well. It's uh, you know, but I, I am curious, what on earth drove you to open a record shop? Um, it's quite a long-winded story, so bear with me. Um, but I had some health problems in. Um, 2019 and um, had to um, be off work for quite a while. And um, just as I was starting to phase my return back, COVID hit and we went straight into lockdown and um, I got furloughed. So I was off work for, you know, nine months easily, nine, 10 months. Um, and unlike a lot of people, I really enjoyed lockdown. And it, it just gave me a time. Uh, it gave me a chance just to sort of reset and think about things. Yeah. And um, and my work contacted me and they said, "Look, we'd like to to bring you back. We're going to phase back a return. So initially, we're going to bring you back for one day a week." So I was like, "Okay, that's cool." And um, and I went back and I did this one day at work. Um, I worked for a finance company. I was doing marketing. Rock and roll. You, you know it, right? And <laughs> um, and uh, this is the time when pubs were just starting to open, you know, and you had to yeah. book a table and get table service and all that. And the next day, me and my other half went on a little bit of a pub pub crawl locally. And we sat in this pub and I, I said to her, I, I can't fucking do this anymore. I went back for one day and already I feel like I want to die. 
it, it was just mind numbing. And and having had like quite a serious health scare, um, you know, um, months before, it's kind of like Jesus. There's got to be more to life than this. Yeah. So she said, "Well, what do you want to do?" And I, I said to her, "Well, you know, I've always wanted to open a record shop, and." you know having probably the best partner in the world she said to me we'll do it then she goes we've got, <laughs> we, we've got some savings put aside do you do you think it would work and i said i said with with enough love and passion and integrity put into it because people you know metalheads will smell bullshit very quickly yeah um we, you know i yeah i do i think it will work so she said, okay, we'll, we'll get the ball rolling then. And and a week later, we were registered on Company's House and I was ringing around distributors, trying to set everything up and, and looking for a property. Fucking hell. So just, just like that? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, that's the thing with COVID, I think. It was like, you know, obviously I, I'm, I'm, I'm based in Italy, so, um, you know, we had to go... You know, within a couple of days, it's like, oh, you're now going to be you know, working from home, teaching online and stuff. And at first it was like, oh, this is fucking stupid. It's like, oh, you know, you want to be in the classroom with, with the students and stuff. And, you know, I, I still want to do that. But at the same time, it's like, you kind of realise that you can do a lot of this shit from from home. And you've got, it, it gives you, I think, it gives you some sense of control. It's like having your own business. It gives you some sense of control back over your life. You don't have to go to work and, like, you know, like in between lessons, you can go and put, you know, do the dishes and whatever and all, or just like, and you're not, you can completely switch off in between stuff because you're at home. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would love to do, um, like, if I could do my job like 75% online, I would. Um, I mean, it's, it's a bit difficult with a record store, but, um, <laughs> Well, it's like, I mean, I, I, w- I would imagine it's it's kind of like when you open up a, a record store, especially when you're catering to like a specific genre, it's very much like um um like forming a band and you, you've got to build a following. And you do that with like interpersonal connections and, you know, bespoke customer service. If someone comes in, oh, I'll come after this. Okay, we haven't got it, but I'm going to, I can get it for you. Give me your phone number, whatever. I'll get back to you. You've got the website or the Facebook page or whatever. And like that goes a long way, and a lot of people appreciate that, and they'll come back to you because of that. You know, why why go to HMV or Virgin when you can do that? I mean, plus the fact you've got you know you got people you can talk to someone that knows knows their shit as well. That's 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 the other thing. Yeah, you know, it's nice to speak with like minded people and, and people, you know, um, you know, your equals in the scene and 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 people who are just as passionate about it as you are, to a degree. And, um, you know, we're, we're at a point now where we've got links or you know, accounts or whatever with with pretty much every distributor. So we can get literally anything. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's impossible to stock everything. So, you know, on a Friday, which is release day, um, you know, there, there's going to be things that we miss. But if, if somebody says, are oh, you getting the new so-and-so album in, then... Ah, okay, yeah, that one passed me by. I'll get that in. Or no, we didn't, but I can, you know. And it's just, it's just going that extra little, little mile for people, really, um, you know. And the, the something like HMV and stuff. When, when I first moved to Bristol, 
Um, and Bristol's got like a really good music and, and record shop scene anyway. And, um, you know, there was, there was fantastic shops where you could go and buy reggae or you could buy dance music or you could buy, uh, you know, punk or indie, but there was nowhere to buy metal. The best place to buy metal was HMV. Yeah. Where are you based in Bristol? We're, we're based right in the city centre. We're, we're, we're the, the city centre's most central record shop presently. I mean, I actually know Bristol because my sister lives there. Where, where actually where? Which, which street are you on? We're on Trenchard Street. So we're 100 metres from the Griffin. Right, okay. Because, I mean, one of the things I like about Bristol is when you go up Gloucester Road. Yeah. When you're Stokes Croft and it's like, you've got all the, um, you know, there are no, like, well, there's not that many chain stores down there. And it's got a bit of character to it, you know? Yeah. Um, the, you know, the bakeries, the cafes and stuff. Yeah, there was there was once a thing where um they they said that Gloucester Road was the the longest stretch of purely independent shops um in Europe, and um, I think there's a Tesco Express in the middle of it now. Okay, yeah, of course there is. Yeah, because you've got like is it is it? I remember going to was it there was a there's a there's a club down there in Stoke Scroft, the Blue Mountain. Oh, is it? Which oh. is like a metal. It was Saturday night. It was a metal metal night. You, you go, you're going back, you're going back, donkeys. You yeah, know. I know. You know so. Yeah. so just, just quickly, I mean, I know like we, used, was like what, what, one, one of the, one of our, one of our mates who's come on the podcast of, uh, um, uh, once or twice, Rob. He's a, he's a journalist for Music Radar and Tech Guitar and stuff. He, he, we, when we used to go to Bristol to see him, he would take us to the Hatchet. And the last time I went there, it was like it was, it's not the same. It's not the same as it used to be. It's, it's no. so much. When I first moved here, that that you know, and it still it still has got a bit of a vibe about it. It's you know, it's it's still an alternative pub, I suppose. I was there last night actually, and um, but yeah, we are. Um, I don't know if you know the Griff Pub at all, but but we're literally equidistant between the two. So if you look out of my front door, you can see the hatchet. Right, no, we know, yeah, know roughly where you are. But um, how? <laughs> How difficult was it when you first opened the shop and, and you're just thinking, fuck, I've actually done this now and now I've got to kind of make a go of it. I'm, I'm committed. How you know? How long did it take to sort of get up and going? Word of mouth must have been a big thing for you. you know, we yeah. all know what metalheads are like. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm of a certain age and um, certain sort of metal ethics, I suppose, um, stick with me. So I wanted to do it completely... Um, DIY word of mouth. We've never done paid advertising anywhere. Um, so it was purely tell this person, tell that person, go on a podcast like this, for instance, and and talk about it and um just hammer the hell out of social media. Yeah. And um opening day, um, we turned up, we opened at 10 o'clock on opening day. And um and we drove down the hill about nine um to get in here to sort everything out. And um we're driving down the hill and it's like fucking hell, what are those people doing outside the shop? And there was about five or six people outside the shop and they've been there since half past five in the morning. <laughs> um, which was just absolutely insane. So I was chatting away to them and it was and you know, it was these kids, you know, and that, that was a great thing, is that they're about 18 years old. Um, they're saying, Oh, you know, we've been here since half past five in the morning, just want to make sure that we're, you know, 
that we could like get in. I'm thinking, well, I'm pretty sure you'd be able to get in. And um, by the time we opened, an hour later at 10, um, there was a queue probably about five to 600 metres down the road. Fucking hell. People trying to get in. It was it was absolutely it was terrifying, <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was just absolutely phenomenal. And that's, uh, that's just fucking that, that's incredible. That is that in itself that must yeah. make you feel so so good that you just you know even if just that one day that's a moment you'll never forget. Yeah, it was it was it was absolutely brilliant and um, just buzzing at the end of it, and then on the Sunday. Sort of came down a bit and realised, oh fuck, I've got no stock. <laughs> it's all been bought. I've got to open up again. So it's like loads of frantic phone calls and like you know, um, yeah, people doing me lots of favours and yeah, we managed to get restocked again by the next weekend and um, yeah, here we are. Kind of didn't have really a clue how any of this operated before we did it. Um, that's that's so, absolutely yeah. fucking mental. But he's it, that's that's such a great. It's such a great story right from the start that especially the reasons you opened the shop in the first place, it's just like it, it vindicates that decision you made, doesn't it? It makes it all feel worthwhile. It's, you know, the same reason we're sitting here doing this. It's our escapism on a Friday night and gives us a chance to waffle about a load of stuff that a lot of people may not want to listen to. So, you know, it's... Yeah. Um, it's but that obviously you have ups and downs. I don't want to take it back down too quickly, but it must have been a bit of a kick because the shop was broken into not long mm. after you opened, wasn't it? It was, uh, I don't know, but, um, well, it was last. Oh, last, October. sorry, last year, right, okay. Yeah, last September, October. Um, yeah, that was, it was middle of the week. It was like a Wednesday night or something. And, um, yeah, I was just laying in bed and um, I kept getting notifications on my phone that something was moving in the shop. So, um I had a look and I couldn't see anything. And occasionally I'll get a notification. And when I watch back on it, it's, it's like a tiny moth flying by the camera. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking, oh, it's, it's nothing. But uh, I don't know, there was, there was just something in my brain. It was like, this doesn't really smell right. And then um, there's a camera on the far wall by, um, by the door and it shines or it... Um, focuses on on this wall of records behind me and they're all in plastic covers and i was just studying it and then i could just see some like light movement on the on the plastic covers and i kept watching kept watching kept watching and then there was there's a blind spot which is kind of behind the till area or there was a blind spot it's covered now um and now i just saw this head appear and it was like fuck so um <laughs> I shouted to my other half. I was like, "Ring, ring, ring the um, ring, John at the Griff because he's only down the road." And then I jumped on the phone to the police. And um, but yeah, by the time um, anyone got here, he was he was gone. What uh, a cunt! Yeah. What did they what? take? Just the money, or he took um, he took charity pots. God, so fucking hell. So he took two two charity tins. I got one on the counter and it was pretty full. And there was one under the counter, which I'd taken out to an event. I had a couple of quid in it. Um, and then I've just got like, you know, loose change kind of stuff. So like 20 quid in change. Um, 
and and he stole a can of links out of the you know uh, out of the bathroom and uh, and that was it and then he just smashed up all our equipment ripped the CCTV down and see that and... see that's the thing that gets in my tits okay rob the fucking place don't smash up the stuff what's the point well do you know what I mean our, our till works off an iPad <clears throat> and the computer at the time uh, was a laptop so steal it take it try yeah. and flop it don't just yeah. smash it up you know it's insane. It's insane. But, you know, he wasn't the brightest button because uh, when you look back on the CCTV, he broke in. As, and as he gets through the window, he's got gloves on. And then when he's inside, he takes them off. Oh, genius. Fucking hell. And then starts pouring at everything, you know? And it's like, so... Um, but the main reason why to bring that up, though, is because there is a positive side to that, is, is that, you know, metal fans raise a load of money to help you get back up and running and it's, yeah. just, it's stuff like that that just makes all this that, I mean I don't, I don't mean to make light of it but like wouldn't it have been cool if like you could have like just like flipped a switch and like the speaker system comes on and it just starts <laughs> like breaking the law by Judas Priest yeah <laughs> definitely to the point that makes his fucking ears bleed <laughs> yeah yeah he's like fucking hell it would have been beautiful <laughs> but it's just like I mean that that's that that's the thing though. Like these these dickheads, they never go after like the big companies where you, you've got like you know if if you go in and smash up some HMV stock, they'll, they'll be able to replace it within a day or so. Yeah, and they've got all the insurance and they can afford the premiums and stuff. He did five, time this... five other businesses. So oh, he was on a, he was on a right okay yeah yeah and um, he yeah what was it? There was five robberies, arson, um, possession of crack. You know, no shit. And, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, a few other things, bits and bobs. But he's gone down. He, he went down in – he was on remand for about six months. Um, so he was held on remand. Um, and then he finally got sentenced in late March. He went down for just around about two and a half years. Better than nothing, I suppose. But just fucking just a different level of scumbag, isn't it? It's a shame. But, but this is the thing. Yeah. This is the thing. Like where, where, where that, where your shop is, you're not down some kind of small back alley out in the middle of nowhere, like. And not, not to get too fucking political, but when you talk about the cops, there's not that there's not much they can do for you after you've been robbed. But if there are people, if there are cops around on the street, it's preventative, and that's the whole problem. It's like the police aren't preventative anymore; they're reactive. They don't, and the, you know you can't unrob someone. If you've been robbed, no. you've been robbed. You know, it's that that's that's the stupid thing. It's like, you know, I mean, with the I mean with the amount of CCTV around in the UK as well. Um they're, they're, I mean they're you know, they're I think everyone knows that they're massively under resourced anyway. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, but you know, when we made the call from the time of driving from our house, which which is only like two and a half, three miles away. Yeah. Uh, to get in here, they, they, they were here before us. Um, and when I met up with the two investigating officers, um, two or three, two or three days later, when they came back to properly take statements and stuff, um, they looked at the CCTV footage, and it was almost like kind of, oh fuck yeah, that guy, right? Jesus yeah, fucking Christ. Um, and then they, yeah, they scooped him up within two or three days. Yeah, see that that's that's quite common as well, and they know who these people are. It's just 
it, it's a shame but um but yeah I, I just wanted to talk about that the whole thing I, I i read in you know sort of local news and that around your area that a load of money was raised to, to support you to get you back on your feet and how well, yeah. that, that's that's yeah. a great story yeah the pub the pub um set up a crowdfunder i said i didn't want to do one um and but you know if somebody does one then that's absolutely fine and the community pulled together so much and you know we had an amazing amount of money raised um which allowed us to you know before any insurance you know because if we'd relied on insurance we'd have been closed for weeks and weeks yeah so um you know it allowed us to get get the window replaced get the cctv rewired um get you know new computer system new till system um and we were back up and running within a few days and um there was so much raised that there was an excess and it's kind of like well we don't really need this so we just gave it to charity nice uh, and um it was just really 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 heartwarming yeah and definitely. you know we had support from from everybody from um you know, the local metal scene to the, the national metal scene. And um, we had messages of support from metal shops all over Europe, from uh, from our, our only only UK peer, uh, Crypto the Wizard. And, um, yeah, it was, it was just really heartwarming. It was lovely. And it made, yeah, you, it made you realise why why we're all into this kind of thing. But, yeah, fucking right. It's, 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 it's like... Don't know anybody from the outside of it will never understand it, and as no. cliched as that sounds, I think it's true. It, you know, it's it Rob's. We've we've mentioned this before. Rob Zombie, Rob Zombie once said, "It's it's the the biggest thing in the fucking world." Yet no one on the outside knows anything about it, and yeah. you know, it, it's unique and it is great to be a part of that. It's um, it's just yeah. so it's so good to hear something so positive come out of something so negative. Yeah, I mean, we you know we always we always say you know that we're we're a great big sort of family and all of that and but but we are yeah we are we really really are and we you know and and just seeing that response and that support was absolutely fantastic yeah yeah it's it's, it's awesome um well, let's let's talk about the records then for a minute because that's part of the reason we, we've got you on now there, there is finals never gone away we know that um which is good but there is over the last sort of probably at the most five years there has been a real renaissance for people wanting physical music again um i mean you like you said you've always wanted to own a record store and i think you know you can watch films like high fidelity for instance which kind of gives you an insight of what record stores can be like but pretty accurate that film <laughs> yeah yeah no i'm not going to sell this to you this week no, no, no. come back <laughs> next week all that kind of thing and and it's it's great it's all part of the part of the charm and part of the part of the, the occasion i suppose but it's not like i said it's not just vinyl cassettes are making a comeback which i find is weird are you do you find younger people coming into the shop as well is it all the way up through the age spectrum and is we're yeah. we're in our mid 40s uh, so you know my my daughter is 15 she's starting to buy her own vinyl and yeah. it's i don't know it just seems to be gathering pace really yeah quick. yeah absolutely i mean um my my son's um 19 now and he he started getting into it a few years ago as well i don't know if that's just sort of my habits rubbing off on him but um He's not a malware. Um, he's, <laughs> he's got far more refined tastes than me. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I suppose our youngest customers are, are 
yeah, school kids, teenagers. That's great. Um, and, you know, right up to people who are like sort of 70 years old. So, you know, and you, you can see, I mean, the main demographic, I suppose, of vinyl buyer is 30 plus. Yeah. 30, 30 to 50, maybe. Um, CD wise, um, a lot of the kids are buying those, the youngsters, the 18, 19, 20 year olds. Yeah. They're the CD people. And um, I wonder if that's maybe because, you know, just a space issue, still yeah. living at home and whatnot. And, um, but like all metalheads, um, we, we're just like compulsive hoarders, really, aren't we? It's like, yeah. oh, wow, look at that. It's got, a, you know, a Metallica logo on. I need that, you know. <laughs> It's like no, you don't. But um, so they love just owning owning music, and I'm you know I'm pretty sure that these people are going to be the vinyl buyers of the future, and yeah, and, and so the cycle goes on really. Because I was a cassette buyer when I first started. Yeah, yeah so we we maybe. were we say the same thing. We're of that age where when we were first buying music, it was yeah, it was CDs, but you could get a cassette for a lot less money than you could a CD. So yeah, but that's the other thing though as well. Like, like no, no, none of us, and and to be honest, they were complete shit as well. No one's going to go and buy a fucking CD like Walkman because like they would skip and jump everywhere. And what's the point? Yeah, yeah. You know, and they eat, ate the battery, so they stick with cassettes. I mean, I went cassette player, then I got a mini disc, which was slightly better, and then it years and years and years went by before I got an MP3 player. That's what I always say to people is like you know the the Walkman was the it was the MP3 player of the day. You know, yeah. you'd. Yeah. I mean, I've still got, like, we, we've, we've talked about this before, like, you know, when you put a really good mixtape together mm. and, uh, you know, on like, you know, the, I've still got my old Walkman back at home and you've got that little switch where you could flick it and it would play the other side of the cassette without you having to take it out. So you're thinking, well, if I stop that song right now and flick the switch, that's going to be the start of Raining Blood on the next side. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I love it. We sell Walkmans here, actually. Vintage Walkmans. Oh, really? Yeah. Fuck, you see, I, it's, it's amazing that there's there's a market for this stuff. I know there's always a vintage market for everything, but the one thing I never thought would make a comeback would be the Walkman, even a, even from a vintage point of view. Yeah, it's a guy, it's a local guy, and um, he, he buys them. He buys them off eBay. He's a tinkerer, and uh, he buys oh, them off eBay. Yeah, he buys them off eBay and they're a bit knackered and he takes them apart and he changes the belts on them and lubricates everything that needs to be lubricated and sorts them all out and play tests them and, and then he, you know, he sells them through through us with uh, you know, if it fucks up, then bring it back and I'll sort it out. And um so yeah, we've got a stack of walkmans there. Well, there you go. If anybody wants a walkman, you know where to go. Yeah. One of the, the one elephant in the room, though, with with vinyl that we're all finding um, is it is an expensive way to buy music. You know, we we have to be realistic. It's, I mean, I I don't think twenty twenty five quid is is bad for a record now when you think about the cost of manufacturing of anything. Um, but you know, you can go into places like HMV now and forty forty five quid, some pushing fifty quid for vinyl now. I kind of get it with with just the difference in cost of everything and manufacturing, inflation, all that. It's probably on a level of where it was in the 80s and 70s even. But that's what makes it even more impressive that people are still buying it, that people are willing to pay, you know, all that extra money. I buy a lot of secondhand vinyl. 
always trying to pick things up for a tenner here and there. But I have to think a lot more before I spend 30, 35 quid on, on something. That, yeah. Yeah. It has to, has to be a major release for me kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it it differs from label to label as well. Mm. So there's labels like, um, heavy psych sounds. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. Like Nebula and, um, acid. The, Mar- the Margarita Witch Cult albums. Out yeah, on that. yeah. 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 They're, they're, they're Prices always come in really nice. Yeah. You can always, you know, get that on the shelf for around, around about £20. Yeah. Uh, Metal Blade is another one. Really, really good. Um, but then there's, you know, some other things that, you know, um, I mean, I suppose the average price of an album now is probably between 25 and 30 quid. Yeah, that's about right, I think, isn't it? And then there's, you know, some things I, I think the the most expensive thing that we've had brand new where i've opened up the sales sheet and gone fuck what am i gonna have to sell that at? <laughs> was um probably the last maiden album to be honest that was a triple vinyl wasn't it triple vinyl it, wasn't it? yeah and that retailed at 45 yeah um we've got the new metallica here that's going at between 40 and 42 depending on the color yeah um but um but yeah my, my stuff's around 25 to 30 yeah I, I, the one thing, one thing that annoys me is when i go because i go into hmv quite a lot because i found some gems in hmv in in the last year or so i've been quite surprised but every now and then you pull something out and you look at it and you'd be like it's 50 quid it doesn't need to be 50 quid there's no reason for it to be that kind of price why is this particular album 50 quid um yeah. i think it was i think it was alice in change dirt actually which I picked up somewhere else for about 23, 24 quid. I, th- I think it's like everything. They, you know, c- certain certain companies or, or record label or, you know, just see a trend or, you know, and, and try to exploit it a little bit. And yeah. you, know, you get that with anything though, don't you? I mean, look, do, do you, I mean, completely unrelatedness, you know, necessarily, but I mean, you know, 10, 10 years ago, you could go to a butcher's and get like fucking oxtail and it costs you fuck all. But now, but since Gordon Ramsay starts using it, oxtail is now more expensive than steak. You know, it's the fucking tail. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, Jesus Christ. But it's the yeah. same fucking thing. Yeah, oh, exactly. I mean, you know, prices go up and, um, you know, you get in- increases every every so often. And, and record, you know, record labels will put their, their prices up, but um, some some more than others. And um, sorry, like, I mean one of one of one of my favorite anecdotes is went into a record uh, when I was at university. Mm-hmm. Went into a record store called Divinal in Cardiff. And it, it wasn't a metal store, but it had a lot of metal stuff in there. And I remember buying the the the, the Metallica Creeping Death, the original Garage Days EP, but it was like coloured vinyl and it was on the old label. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, music for nations. Yeah, League of Nations, it was like a fiver. And they didn't know what they were selling. Because I remember, I think back then it was that was worth 50 or 60 quid. Yeah. And like, you know, I mean, like, I'm 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 probably gonna, you know, safely bet that I wouldn't get away with that in your store. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have we have something called discogs now. So it's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You, you, finding bargains is 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 fuck, it's tough. 
It's I quite... Do you know what though? I mean, all all of our secondhand used stock goes on Discogs, and you know I've got a formula that I work by with Discogs, and it, it it's basically around the median price. Yeah, but you, you know you go on there and there's like one for sale of something. You know the median price is I don't know fifteen quid, but because like this this guy somewhere goes I've got the only copy of it. He's got it up for sixty seventy quid, and it's like. Yeah. You're having a laugh. That is not worth that. And um, but you know, other things are we've got. You know, we've got some battery first presses on the wall, and always sells for great money, doesn't it? Battery stuff. Yeah, yeah they're all three figures. Um, what are your um, Dave, David? What are your favourite? Like, no, forget the music. Yeah, but the actual like um, when you talk about like we, you know, because one of the things I love about vinyl is. You know, it, it's not just it, it. It's the complete package. It's the artwork. It's the way that the, the the sleeve is and stuff like that. So, like for example, like before I got into metal, I was listening. Like I got, I inherited from my dad's vinyl collection. I had like the Made in Japan Deep Purple double LP. Um, but one of my favorites that I got from my dad was um, Thin Lizzy Jailbreak. And you've got the TV screen on the front, and you open it, and it's got the big picture inside and um stuff like that. So, and or you've got the Led Zeppelin three, and it's got the spin disc. Oh, the wheel, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, that stuff's cool, right? I mean, so you've got the actual album itself, but then you've got this, the, the thought that's gone into the entire packaging of the music. So have you got any, like, favourite, like, actual albums like that where you think, like, that that entire package is just fucking awesome? Um, the one that jumps to mind, which is looking at me over there, is Dope Smoker by Sleep. Yeah. Um, it's just a brutally, you know, in not sonically, but physically heavy piece of vinyl. You know, you know that you've got substantial package in your hands. And, you know, it's just put together so nicely. Um, you know, the vinyl is 180 gram vinyl, it's heavy weight. The inserts are lovely. The, the sleeve art is fantastic. It just feels nice to hold. Um, I suppose the one that kick-started it all was probably Live After Death. Yeah. Um, that, that was, uh, you know... a great gatefold package had the it the, looks great doesn't it this the stage and everything yeah the massive book inside it yeah. and, and and all of that and um and one band that are particularly good you know whenever you buy something from sun yeah uh, you you know it's going to be of, of the best quality possible you know just just the the quality of the the card that has been printed on uh, just everything is it's just done perfectly it's knowing your market, isn't it? You, you know, if if you do it once, and yeah. there's a real demand for it, you're gonna you're gonna have to keep doing it, and you're gonna have to keep having those standards. Yeah, you know, it's um, there's a lot of a lot of coloured vinyl around now as well, isn't there? A lot of coloured and the the splatter vinyl and all that kind of stuff. And I know there are nerds out there that will say it doesn't sound as good and all this kind of thing. And I haven't got an ear that's trained enough to notice that, or equipment that's expensive enough, but. What do you did you get? Do people fuss much over rather having a coloured vinyl rather than black vinyl or like the Metallica yeah. one? Like the indie stores got purple, didn't they? HMV got red. Yeah, all of that kind of thing. Yeah, people love it. I, I I'm personally not fussed either way as long as I've got it. I, I'm a massive fan of just black vinyl to be honest. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, some people just go nuts for it. I, I had one guy come in here once and he was looking for. Um, a Greek band Varathron, and um, 
he'd, he'd pick it up and he'd go, is it is that one coloured? And I'd go, no. And he'd go, oh. Like <laughs> then it would go, he goes, oh, I've already got this one. Is that coloured? And I was like, yes. He goes, oh. And he goes, oh. And he picks out another and he goes, is this coloured? No. I used to like the picture discs. So like one 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 of the, the the only picture disc I've got is um uh the single from uh, So Far So Good So What by Megadeth the Mary Jane picture disc. Hmm. That's that's what, I mean I mean I love the artwork on that anyway. But um, do people listen of, to picture discs? That's what I found when I used to have picture discs when I was younger. I n- n- never listened to them. No, no, I didn't. On the no, wall I, or something. I just I, I I put it on the wall. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I had it propped up against something, you know. So like, I mean, another thing I used to like was because like. I mean, I I lived in um in Asia for about ten years, Dave, and um you go to record stores out there and you find the stuff that you can get back in the UK, but you know it's it's oh it's the American edition or it's got like you know you can get like a copy of like made in Japan, but you're in Japan and it's got the Japanese writing on it or the Hanja or whatever it is because I was in Korea as well, um and that you can find some like really good stuff there, um because they've got these massive vinyl markets. Like they're not shops, they're just these huge fucking markets, and it's just and you can buy anything there, and it's relatively cheap. Um, mm. like you know, getting like uh Thin Lizzy's Live and Dangerous, but it's the Japanese edition, so it's got a different song on it, it's got an extra thing to it. But then you've got the added bonus that it's written in Korean yeah. or it's written in Japanese. That was always pretty cool. I mean, I never bought anything because then you're just left with like you said about being a hoarder, but then you think, Well, I'm leaving, I've got to ship this fucking stuff back out. How do you do it? You know, what's um, what's what's your own collection like? Um, I've got probably around about three thousand albums on vinyl. Yeah, just uh, a few. Yeah. It's it's not massive by by most people's standards, to be honest. And I do slim it down. I trim it down every now and then. I've only got probably about a hundred CDs. Um. And then just a stack of tapes, but that's more for sentimental value, really, because I've had them since I was a kid. So, yeah, I see. I don't. I don't own a single CD, um, other than uh, other than one from the Grudge. But, um, but do you not find that owning a record shop, and obviously being a fan of the music and a fan of it, because I know if I was in this situation, it'd be like one for me, five for the shop, one for me, four for the shop, kind of thing. Is that not? Is that not too, really too fucking tempting sometimes just to fill your own pockets? It, it, it was a concern of mine to begin with, to be honest. But um, I suppose having the shop has kind of taken away the the, the itch. Of, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Because I kind of look around and go, well, I kind of own all this anyway. So. Well, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, there are there are certain things that come in. Um, you know, if, if say like... Um, like new Metallica album, you know, got a batch of those in and, you know, I just stuck one in my bag and, you know, that's how I'm having that. Um, but, yeah, there are certain things that, that will come in. You know, I'll buy a collection and think, no, I'm keeping that. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. It's mine. <laughs> Long-term investment, isn't it, almost? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I would be exactly the same. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm way too impulsive to be able to control myself with things like that. What's what's the metal scene like in Bristol these days then? Because like I said, I, I used to live in Radstock just outside Bristol and Padre lived in Cardiff. So we've been around the area. The, the metal scene was quite quite healthy back then. Like Padre said, we had the hatchet. What's it like yeah, now? What, what was the other one? Was it the, 
Oh, the the, the firkin in Bristol. What was it called? Fleece was it fleece and firkin, wasn't it in Bristol? Yeah, that, yeah because I saw I saw Hatebreed and Raking Speedhorn and Biohazard there. Um, the, the Hobgoblin was another one, I think, wasn't it, back in the day? In Bath, that was, was Bath, yeah? That was in Bristol, it was in Bristol as well. Yeah, the Hobgoblin was Bath. Yeah, there was one in Bristol. I think it was at the bottom of Gloucester Road. Right? I don't know. I don't know. We're, we're going back nearly 20 years, so I might be wrong. But yeah, yeah. What's, what's, what's it like now? Certainly for smaller gigs. I know there's quite a few venues around Bristol. and Yeah, it's, it's okay. Um, it's a very death metal city. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, death metal's kind of the the thing around here. Um, but um, yeah, we like I say, well, we've got us and we've got the the Griffin up the road, and they've got gigs on four nights a week. Uh, then there's, I suppose, the Hatchet, which is more of a rock pub as opposed to a metal pub, I suppose. Um, and there's a few other little decent venues, the Exchange, the Fleece, um, as you mentioned, I think is probably the best venue in Bristol. I heard they were. I I've heard a while ago that they were having problems with noise pollution because of some. They've built these fancy flats around them, and people were giving right them shit. Door. Yeah, right next door, they built built flats to them um, um, on the on the site next door. Um, but yeah, that's all all been sorted out, and uh, yeah, the fleece stays, which is good. Well, yeah. I've got I've got fucking cream fields a mile from my house next weekend, so I'm gonna have to suffer that shit for three fucking nights. Yeah. So, um, but so Bristol's a death metal city. That's that's an interesting one because death metal's having a real fucking resurgence at the minute. It's certainly in the UK, we've got some some great bands in this country at the moment, but it's it's really it's alive and kicking at the moment. Death metal, mad. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we've had some great people come through recently. We had uh, Undeath uh, come and play. Um, you know, Cannibal Corpse here the other week, and um, you know, and because Bristol's quite a small city as well, you know, everything is walkable to for yeah. every. Yeah, which is really really nice. Uh, you know, I only moved over this way six years ago, and. Um, I was previously living just north of London, so London would be where we go and see gigs. And you know, you're looking at an hour, hour and a half to to get in, and hour, hour and a half to get home. Yeah. Uh, so it's nice just being able to walk out of a gig and go, oh, "Sorry, I'll walk home." Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what's what's driven the death metal revival. I, I really don't. But maybe I don't know. Maybe it's 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 a reaction to something. I I I really don't know. A lot of a lot of metal comes in waves, doesn't it? As as we know. There, there seems to be a hunger for the traditional stuff at the minute, like we were saying earlier. Yeah, Which I mean that's loving. That's my, my bag at the moment. Is that that uh, new wave of traditional metal? Um, but everything comes and goes. You know, the, you you'll get a phase. You know, we had the you know big explosion of black metal a few you know a few years ago, and yeah, and now death metal's on the rise. You know, probably have another thrash revival. Who knows? You know, I think it will just. Comes and goes, and that's that's great that you know everyone can have their their place in the sun. Really, well, thrash is coming, but almost coming back in this sort of crossover form at the minute, isn't it? It's so, yeah, yeah, and, and I, I like that. I I I dig that sound. Like bands like Human Nature, it's just it's got such a that mid range crunch. I can't can't really get enough of. It's everything yeah. I loved about thrash in the first place. Yeah, I think Power Trip probably spearheaded that, didn't they? Absolutely, and- yeah. You know, but they've well, you know, like they, they, one of the reasons why this podcast was started, David, was because um I haven't listened to anything since, 19, since past nineteen ninety four. 
So, like, and w- when we first started doing this, one of the first bands Dragonza put me onto was Power Strip. Fucking love it. Lowest Creature, the other one. Yeah, great band. Like, yeah, um, we had them on. That was really cool. Um, it was like we had Steve Hughes on when we first got going. The comedian. Have you have you heard of him? Yeah, very aware of Steve. Yeah. Do you remember, have you ever heard that joke he said about like when he, when he was living in Manchester and he woke up and there was some, like there was two guys in his apartment with a machete and he was like, who's this cunt? <laughs> and um, they were like, you know, he goes, he goes, well, robbing you of your stuff. He goes, well, <laughs> yeah, good luck. I haven't got any stuff. The only thing I've got here is about 500 thrash metal CDs and I don't want to be stereotypical, but I think you might be into hip hop. <laughs> 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 um yeah and yeah new wave of traditional heavy metal that's what we want to talk about because some of that stuff at the minute that anything at the moment that's clad in leather and fucking studs i'm I'm all over it my favorite recently was was the second hell crash album um demonic assassination the artwork's absolutely fucking bonkers and the music goes with it i played that to I my it. students I, I just love it. The new Enforcer is is brilliant. I absolutely love that album. Yeah, Enforcer, Savage Master, a favourite of mine at the moment. Um, who else? Uh, um, Smolder. Yeah, uh, see, we talked about Smolder a couple of weeks ago, and I I I can't I can't penetrate that band. I I, I don't know what it is because all the ingredients fit, hmm. but I, I I don't know. They just don't seem to be working for me. I don't know what it is. Okay, it is a weird one, but yeah, I, I I should, and I'm going to keep trying because all the elements are there that I should love, and the artwork's brilliant as well. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. It really harks back to the old days, you know. And um, Witch Hazel, they're another great band. Yeah, I heard them a couple of days ago, actually. Oh, yeah, uh, they're coming to play here actually in the shop. Um, and who's the other one I was going to mention? Tailgunner. Yeah, we've we've had Tailgunner on and, and and they're going to be coming back on again soon as well, just to let everybody know. Um that we we've got an advanced copy of of the debut album and it, it it's it's up there. It's it's pretty fucking special. Yeah, they announced it today, didn't they? The yeah. uh pre-orders and whatnot. It's 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 pretty fucking special. So they're, yeah, they're they're gonna go the the, the mainland Europe is gonna lap the, those guys up. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, and hopefully, hopefully the UK will as well. But they will do really well on mainland Europe. Really hope so. I really hope so. I really hope that 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 scene takes off over here. You know, and there is a contingent for it. You know, when you go, especially in London, when you go to London, I was down there last year for Studfest. Oh, is that Blitzkrieg and yeah, Sight? Uh, yeah, um, a few other bands and Butcher uh, and uh, Aggressive Perfecto. I think one that yeah, I remember that. Who's the other one? In a heavy sentence. Yeah. Um, it, it was absolutely fantastic. But yeah, the crowd was, oh man, it was just high tops everywhere, you know? Yeah. It's fantastic. It is. So it's like festivals in Germany, like like Keep It True, that are, you know, really still flying the flag for all that music. Absolutely. Um, Bloodstar was another one I discovered in the last couple of weeks. That's, that's really good. Really, really enjoy It's going to be one of my albums of the year, I think. Can't really... I can't fault it at all. So, I listened to a band today called Stray Gods. Have you heard them? No. Okay, make a note of it. Yeah, doing that now. Okay. See, I I always do this. It's uh, 
I swear to God, you could fool somebody with this band. You could fool somebody and say, I managed to get my hands on some Iron Maiden outtakes. Okay. I'm, I'm all right, looking at the artwork. Yeah. <laughs> but just everything, the voice, you it actually, it, it just, it is Bruce Dickinson singing basically. All right. I'll give that a go as soon as we get off this. Um, well, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to go through a couple that I've picked up, like a band that came out, to, one that came out today, um, Shadows, not The Shadows, a band called Shadows. The album's called Out for Blood. Um, bit Merciful Fatey, that's that's really fucking cool. Leather Bitch is another one that I came across yeah. a couple of days ago. Yeah, Shadow Kingdom Records. Yeah, so that's the, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the David, same thing with the new, Have you heard that? Trigenza put me onto this a few weeks ago. Um, Azidahara, they were a Welsh band. No. Check them out. Really good. Cross crossover thrash. Um, there's an EP out. It's like a four track EP. Um, yeah, again, massive. They're gonna go places. Yeah, I think they will. I really think they will. Very, very good. Um, fuck me. What else has been out recently? Gatekeeper. That's that. Um, from Western Shores. That's really growing on me. Yeah. Not one that clicked at first. Um, Sacrificer, which I think. Yeah, that's I actually cool. clocked from your one of your social media posts. Yeah, that's a brilliant album. I've got that here somewhere. Um, yeah, um, what's another one? Glacier. They're a great band. You know what? It was the artwork that did that for me. The the the, the fist and the um the uh, the egg timer. What do you call it? Hourglass fucking yeah. egg timer. Jesus yeah. fucking Christ! But yeah, all that kind of stuff. Impending triumph. That was another one. Okay. Um, which is an EP worth checking out. It's 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 how to be man of war and not actually be man of war. Really good fun. Um, just quickly before we go on, um, Padre has, believe it or not, Padre is actually married, and his his, his wife is going to butt. His wife's going to butt in. Um, so this is Nat, and Hi. she just wants to come and butt in for a minute. I don't know if I have much to add because I don't really know much about metal. So we'll see how this goes. <laughs> yeah, but we're talking about vinyl though. And like, yeah, that's different. Why didn't you tell us about your dad's vinyl collection? <laughs> um, so when my my dad passed away in 2015, and I think by that point he'd managed to collect. I mean, it was over a thousand albums. Um, and he really stopped buying albums in 1989 because he got his first CD player. Um, and so he just started buying CDs. He skipped cassettes and everything altogether. But yeah, so I grew up with a massive vinyl collection. Um, and a step stool to get up to the record player. And then at a certain point, my dad realized that was kind of dangerous having a three-year-old to try and change the album. So he bought me my own portable one. So I had a Winnie the Pooh nice. portable record nice. player. <laughs> Tell us about the actual the, the record player. Which one? The, the one that you, the, the one that they actually came around to install it. Oh my God. Um <laughs> So because my dad had a massive vinyl collection and he swapped over to CDs, um, he'd spent the first few years like really trying to kind of replace part of his record collection um, with CDs. And when his dad passed away, he got a bit of inheritance and he decided he was like kind of seesawing between buying a new car and buying a new stereo. And he opted for a stereo. So his main goal was to get, and this is in 90, 99. Um, his main goal was to get a CD burner that he could do analog copies so he could connect it to his record player 
Um, but he also wanted like a really nice set of speakers and an amp and a preamp and a new CD player. So he went to the stereo shop and got his stereo all set up and he bought it. And then they came two weeks later to install it. And they sent three guys, two guys to set everything up and one guy to kiss his ass while they did it. Because this was like a, I mean, Canadian dollars, but this was like a $25,000 stereo system. And basically mm. the whole point was so he could put onto CD some of the records he bought and was never able to buy on CD. <laughs> that was the point. See, the, so the mad, the mad thing is, the mad thing is you look back at that and, and that, that just seems like such a crazy thing to do. But you, you lose a, like he, he would never, to be fair, like he would be miserable right now because he would hate the, the digitization of music. He hated that. He hated MP3. He thought that you lost too much of the highs and the lows on the sound quality. And he's right, actually. There's something that you can get off of vinyl that you're never going to get on a CD, that you're never going to get off of an MP3. But you only get live, maybe. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, um, you know, it's it's just the true analog sound. Yeah. You know, it's, it's as close to the fullest sound possible that you're ever going to get. There's no bits cut out. Exactly. There's that fine line, there's that fine line though between between listening to the music and listening to the equipment. And I think you can get a little bit too nerdy about it and, and be looking for certain tiny little details. Yeah, but like and this equipment's not doing it for me. I need to upgrade it again because I can't quite do you know what I mean? That that just... difference between enjoying the music and enjoying the equipment. But like but I remember like again when, when my father in law passed away, he he left behind a, a, a what like what was it? They were Sennheiser head, the bucket headphones. Yeah. What, what they were, eight hundred dollar headphones, yeah. and like Nat was like, just listen to some of your stuff on this, and you put the headphones on, you like, fuck me, that's good. Like you know, you you can really. Like it was listening to. I remember like one of the first albums my dad put on for me when he got the new stereo was Jimi Hendrix because I grew up, I loved Jimi Hendrix, so that was one of the first things. So it was Little Wing, and he put it on, and I'm like, there's a whole other guitar track on this I'd never heard before do you know what I mean and then you listen to it then he put on the album because he also had the vinyl and he's like now listen to it again and it was again it was there was something about the vinyl that you couldn't get on the CD there was something that was lost when they digitized it yeah there's there just was, something uh, there came to me with um you know, do you remember acid bath yeah I remember acid bath yeah uh, pagan terrorism tactics that album um I had it on CD and I, I listened to it digitally for years and years and years. Um, and then I managed to acquire the vinyl and I listened to the vinyl and like, what the hell's that? And there's there's whispering in between different parts of the, yeah. the song. So in between different lines, Dax Riggs is whispering words, but you just cannot pick it out on a digital format whatsoever. Yeah. It loses all those little subtleties. Which there's is mad when you think it was supposed yeah. to be progress. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But there's something about compression rates. Like when you're when you're going from like a mono tape to vinyl that you don't lose, but you lose when you digitize. There's the yeah. compression rate involved. And I think that like there's not an engineer in the world that can program, that can code that properly. And that's really what it comes down to. It's just there's it, it's just not possible. You're never going to be able to have an infinite series of you know like for the compression rates. So I think that's really what it comes down to. And you lose even more sometimes when you go to MP3. 
Yeah, I, I, I once heard someone say that um, that digital music and vinyl music is at a slightly different frequency, and the 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 frequency of vinyl is at a, yeah. uh, a frequency that is more in line with the human ear than what digital music is and that's it's that's got a wider range yeah it's it's got a wider range definitely because i have i have some serious auditory problems sometimes like i literally had to buy a set that's and... because you live with him yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> it's true <laughs> but like there are certain people's voices that when i hear them i will lose my absolute mind like i just can't deal with it and if i have too much information trying to get in then i'll lose it so i've got a again you live with him that- yeah well yeah Yeah. someone's trying to watch two different things on television and listen to a podcast it's going to drive me nuts (laughs) but I find it much easier to listen to vinyl I always have compared to anything I mean I'll take the digital because that's what I've got I can't I can't live my life and do what I do with a record player a stereo system and a pile of vinyl it's just not going to happen so if I want to listen to music it's going to be digital but I would prefer to have I still have a record player at my sister's I still have the stereo system and I still have about 50 of my own records that I decided to like I'm going to very specifically collect what's, David what's, Bowie and Robert Palmer because why not I think everything I think all formats <clears throat> to a degree have their place you know and um everything has its use so you know I listen to music on my phone on headphones when you know when I'm coming in and out of here yeah. and and stuff like that and you know it's very convenient to sort of stream the car or chuck a cd in or whatever but when i'm at home and and you know i really really just want to sit down and you know in, enjoy music it will always it will always be fine you know yeah. and it's i suppose it's the difference between you know getting a a milkshake from mcdonald's or having a nice bottle of wine at home you know um, both, both both are equally as lovely but um you know you make the most of one more but, i don't know i can't get a milkshake here <laughs> you can get I wine though so i can get wine for like two euros um just going off slightly off vinyl a set for i suppose what did you think of 72 seasons then you, you took a copy home what do you think yeah. of it i really like it glad to hear that i really like it i um <clears throat> I think a lot of people, the thing with Metallica over any other band is is that people will always have a preconception before they've even heard anything. True. Uh, and I think the album has surprised a lot of people that it's not, you know, oh, it's fucking rubbish or whatever. Um, and what I always say to people is, you know, these guys are 60, you know, and, you know, come back to me when you're 60 and make that. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why I said the other week on the podcast, except you can't expect fans to rewrite Master of Puppets all the fucking time. It's not going to happen. They, they they get so much shit. It's it's unreal. And um, you know, having got into metal in the eighties, you know, just the the importance of, of that band cannot be understated. Fuck no. And I always say to people, two questions. One, name me one band, one band that has had an absolutely flawless run of albums, flawless career from start to finish. One band. It's it's impossible. Everyone's got their dud moments. Yeah, it doesn't exist. 
you know? And then the second question is, okay, so you can't name me that band. Second question, name me one band that has made an album as technically brilliant, as beautifully, you know, with beautiful lyricism, as as influential as Master of Puppets at the age of 23, you know? All right, I'll give you the age. But, I mean, you can argue Sergeant Pepper, <laughs> like, lyrically. Get off. Influentially. Go. Uh, get off. Not go. my doorstep again. You give shit the bed on this sort of off. Let's Get off. With, let's go with Brown Before sugar. I shut this down. Sorry. <laughs> Cut it. Do not bring the fucking Beatles to this podcast. Take it Take it back. She shit out. Take it back, oh, lads. Within metal. Within metal. Within metal. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Within metal, you know, because you know, you look at um, even even a band as highly revered as Black Sabbath, you know, it's like are you telling me technical ecstasy is a great album. Yeah, no, no. no. <laughs> I mean, I've Come listened on. to Metallica before I listened to Black Sabbath, a hundred percent. You know what's what's mad though is that a lot of bands that have these duff releases, we're all these years down the line, and people are now going, you know what, I actually love Born Again. It's an amazing album. Do you know what? I I, I don't know if you're old enough to remember, but I remember when um, Human by Death came out. I don't remember when it came out because I wasn't into death metal then, but yeah. I remember when it came out and everyone was like, well, this is a bit shit, isn't it? You know, it's watery thin. It just sounds like jazz. And, you know, people went off them massively. It was not leprosy. It wasn't spiritual healing. It certainly wasn't scream bloody gore. But now it's revered as this yeah. absolute masterpiece. And there's a few albums like that, that, you know, back when it came out, it was like, Christ, really? But my favourite death album is Symbolic. You know, don't get me wrong, I love leprosy and scream bloody gore, but every time I listen to Symbolic, it's, it's just a, a band at an absolute peak you know, doing something that nobody else was doing at the time mm. just couldn't be touched. Mm. And I don't think there's even anything around now that even comes close to death when they were at their peak. He he was a very unique, special person. Yeah. Um, and yeah, lucky to have seen him. So you good. saw them. See, that's cool. Something we'd like to have like to have done. I know there's the two, you know, other bands going around amid death to all and left to die. Um I, I get what they're trying to do, but I'm never too sure about that kind of thing. It's it's great in principle, but I don't know whether I'd want to go and see them live. If they're at a festival, yeah. I'd probably check them out, but it's it just feels a bit awkward, I suppose, because I'm not getting what I actually... Because Chuck was death, hmm. it's not like just losing a guitarist or losing a drummer, losing a vocalist. You are, it's, it, it is yeah. the band. He is death. Yeah, I mean, I mean, death, death's history was Chuck and hired hands, basically. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and and you know what, the, the formula was was brilliant. It worked, but yeah, it's, it was. He's a terrible loss. It was a terrible shame. But I wasn't into death when he was alive, so I would never have the opportunity. And obviously, like I said, we grew up in Cornwall, so death were never going to play in St Austell. Probably actually one of the few bands that I've got you into. Yeah, that's true. Actually, Emperor was another one you got me into, though, which. You know, it first brought me black metal uh, at the tail end of the 90s. And I was like, what the fuck is this? This is just fucking noise. And well, actually, to be fair, though, by, by sheer persistence, because you didn't like them when you first heard them. You were not no. you weren't into Megadeth. No, no, I no, I, I had I had issues with Megadeth. 
it was it was like some kind of I don't know it was it was just an uncomfortable relationship that I I couldn't quite I couldn't quite get my head around. I w- I was Metallica not Megadeth and I went through the same thing with Saxon, been through the same thing with Thunder, you know, and I've got much more of an appreciation for them now than I used to have. So yeah. Yeah, Megadeth yeah, late 90s is probably when I eventually got into them. So D- David. Hmm. The eternal question. <laughs> Megadeth and Metallica. Yeah. What, who? Yeah. Oh, it's Metallica. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. I mean, you you, yeah. you could go the other side and just be an argumentative dick, but, and I fucking love Megadeth. I absolutely love them, but, and I, I, I absolutely adore Peace Cells. It's one of my favorite albums, but. Peace Cells is fantastic. So far, so good. So, what is fantastic? Rust in Peace has probably some of the best metal guitar work ever on it. Yeah. Um, but now, my God, are we left with probably the most irritating man in heavy metal? Oh, don't get me started. He, he <laughs> just makes such a tit of himself on a regular basis that... Jesus Christ. And that know, album was dreadful. Get over it, man. Get yeah, I think even, even Dave Ellison's come out recently, in he? he said he just needs to stop. It's embarrassing. Dave, Dave it's been 40 years. Let it go. Hmm. Aside from shit Megadeth albums, what's been your favorite release this year so far um i've got a list written down somewhere um all got lists no i try and keep a list because it's um i need to do my sort of top 10 thing throughout the year it's within reach (laughs) this is what we like so you got to be organized um what have we got down so far sanguisugabog with homicidal ecstasy um Coral Tombs by Ahab. Uh, Beyond Vision by Acid King. Revelations of the Sacred Skull by Luger. Um, that's one if you're into your old school stuff. I think I... Um, um, say that again, because I'm going to look that up, because that was a great name. Revelations Luger, or L-U-G-A? L-U-G-E-R, with all outs above the U, Obviously. Obviously. You know what? I, I added this to my Apple Music library and I've never listened to it, so shame on me. Um, and the first one to jump out at me this year was Dying of Everything by Obituary. That was a fucking... That was an absolute storm of an hour. I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was and I caught them at the Electric Ballroom in February, March, whenever it was, and those songs sounded 10 times better live even. Yeah, it's just... They're just awesome. great classic riffs. Yeah. It's just a riff fest. It's like a, it's almost like a, it's like death metal classic rock kind of thing. That it's got such a groove to it that album. They they've absolutely fucking nailed it, and they've just announced a massive UK tour as well. No, they're coming back here, which is nice. Yeah, they're they're going everywhere. They're playing in Colchester, just up the road from me. It's fucking perfect. Yeah, all these tiny little venues, and they're taking Pest Control with them as well. That's another album I love this year. It's they're going on big things. They're going to make make a name for them themselves pest control i think yeah yeah they yeah they definitely are that 20 minutes of just just balls out quality crossover thrash it's sorry how do you spell that name again luger l-u-g-e-r um what are you looking forward to release wise coming up um you know what i don't actually know off the top of my head i just try and sort of soak things in as as it happens really and having to sort of you know, think about everything from 
you know, ACDC to agrophobic nosebleed. It's, um, I, I just, <laughs> I just kind of <laughs> listen to things as, as they come in. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who's, um, I guess it's a little bit different now that you're, that you're running a business around all of this. Yeah. You, you've kind of got to have your ear to the ground in a different way. Yeah, you can't just focus. Because I mean, I'm a thrasher at heart. That's, that's where I came from. And um, But, yeah, you, you know, you need to sort of be aware of, you know, what's going on with black metal and death metal and, you know, um, sort of the more heavier rock kind of side of stuff. And, and blackened but, death and deathened black and... You know every yeah. other. You so know, David, sub, what are your sub, favorite? Sub, sub. Um, what are your favorite thrash tracks? Because I'm a thrasher too. Um, well, I think I think the actual song "Master of Puppets" is a masterpiece. Yeah, so do I. It's uh, all right. The the single greatest album ever made, and not just metal, but just music. Full stop. In the history of man recording music or woman recording music um and i will accept no arguments with this at all and if you come up with an alternative suggestion you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> it's rain of blood yeah it's the perfect album I love yeah, it. it's the t-shirt he's wearing right I, now I, i'm wearing the rain of blood t-shirt right now and it's, you know you know, know what right so so my favourite Slayer album is South of Heaven. Right, it's my favourite Slayer album. But I will 100% agree with you on on where Rain in Blood stands musically because it is the archetypal thrash metal album. It's the perfect length. It's got perfect lyrics. It's got the most amazing riffs, the best guitar work, the best drumming, the most evil vocals. The artwork's incredible. It re That album really is the full fucking package. And I think yeah, like I we've think said right. before, if someone if someone says to you, what is thrash metal? All you have to do is play that album. Yeah. Which to be fair is exactly what Anthony has done to me. It's um it's, it's the what it's the one album that um I bought it when I was 14 years old. And I'm 49 now, so that's quite a lot of years. <laughs> but it, it's still if I played it now, it will give me the same feeling I had when I was 14. Yeah, it will make me tingle all over and send shivers up my spine. I love it so much, and I know music is subjective, and everyone's got those those albums. So you know, I'm, I'm joking in that respect, but that's the one for me. I, I, the thing I, is, is that one of my favorite things is the, the the one of the first albums I actually bought with my own money. So again, going back to that record shop that we mentioned earlier, Lost in Music in Camborne, was um, Decade of Aggression. And when you listen to that, and you there's just that there's that section where it's raining blood into altar of sacrifice into um, Jesus saves, and they 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 do it like they do on the album. They don't. There's no break between those two songs, and it just fucking works. And then you've got that massive chug riff from Jesus saves when it cuts in, like, dun, 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 you know, and you just like, fuck me. And like the the the, the Live albums can be ropey, but that is not a ropey live album. That is really what. And then you've got like the intro to Hell Awaits with the crowd in the background, like chanting Slayer and stuff. And you just it like, sounds pure then, evil, that does. And then, and then, like, then, so I, I had that album for a year. And then the first ever band I saw live was Slayer or Ozfest 98. And 
like it was exactly the same as it was on the album. Everyone's just in the fucking pit, Slayer, Slayer, Slayer. And they came on and they came on, they walked on stage playing the intro to Dead Skin Mask. And it was like, no, no, South of Heaven, sorry. South of Heaven, yeah. And it was just like, fuck me. And they only got six songs. And it was just because they were right down the bill for some reason. Underneath Foo Fighters, because that's what we would do at a metal show. <laughs> that's ridiculous. A bit of trivia for you. I'm, I'm actually on Decade of Aggression, because I was at one of those shows. Nice. What, the one at Wembley? I was at Wembley, Clash of the Titans, yeah. Yeah, oh, fucking, it's, it's the anniversary of Clash of the Titans as of yesterday. Mm. Is it? Yeah, yeah. The American, the American leg. The American not the... See, that's that's one of the. I think we we were talking about like tours gone past and tours we love to have been to, and that was mine. Clash of the Times because at the time that lineup, that's fucking special. I've still got the ticket stub at home. It was, um, yeah. So it, it was split. You know, each night it would flip flop between Megadeth and Slayer. Slayer finished the night that I went, um, and then yeah, there was Megadeth. Testament and suicidal tendencies. I mean, and, what a fucking lineup that is! And it cost, it cost twelve pound fifty. Fuck. <laughs> so I've seen I've seen suicidal tendencies with like what? Yeah, with like three hundred other since when? Right, I've I've already asked you to get off this podcast once, just because one of my all time favorite bands, off. and I've never seen this. Go, just go. I know nothing. I know nothing. She's <laughs> gonna start fucking domestic. Uh. Yeah, the I, 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 they're one of my all-time favorite bands, and I've never fucking seen them. See, this is the fucking problem. This is why you have to sign it some kind of musical prenuptial agreement. If you've oh, seen man. this band and I haven't, you can get the fuck out. Like this is absolutely disgraceful. Oh, never even, marry an immigrant. It's even worse because <laughs> I didn't even know who I was going to see. I just I was like, I'm in Montreal and they're playing, and Bad Religion were supposed to play and they weren't, so we went to see Suicide. Yeah, and, and, and the other thing, and the other thing as well is like you know never never marry a fucking woman. It's bilingual. I'm not anymore. Let this this is um this this is not uh this is not the thoughts of the entire podcast that we'll have. <laughs> no, and honestly, that's a whole other podcast that we haven't started yet. <laughs> go on then what swear in french you know, just, no, you know, just do it, go. not doing it on command that's no, 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 just, just just say fuck off in quebec go on let's just do it fucking hell yeah i know i'm not saying it's great it's all i've and got anyway, anyway take take your sergeant pepper and fuck off ah. i've had enough of all of that in the I kitchen completely different like, i'm just um, I'm, i know no things all right i know nothing but I have um, listened to Rain and Blood. I have listened to like these albums. I don't remember all of them. I do remember listening to Rain and Blood. You liked Opeth, though. Yeah, I really liked Opeth. You know, who doesn't? Well, can, I mean, can we at least let her back into the fold for the Sergeant Pepper comment on it? If she likes Opeth, that's nope. that's got no. Nope. Okay, the Beatles. The Beatles are in the same realm as Dream Theater. I'm afraid they're not allowed. Yeah, but I didn't really have a choice. Like the Beatles were the Bible in my house when I grew up. And my dad tried to name me John Lennon. Like there's no, I had no hope. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean. Uh, it, it, it was status quo yeah. in my house. So I suppose I, I consider myself lucky. There you um, go. I mean, mm. One other quick thing. When I, you you started a label, Forged in Darkness. What's, yeah. What was the, so this was to, sort of based around the shop and live performances in the shop. Is that right? Yes, it, it, it was initially just to be um, recordings of people that have come to the shop, really. We we had a recording of a band 
and it was like oh, okay well let's do a run of like 100 cds and yeah it was just a quirky little thing it's like okay well let's let's create a label forged in darkness so um yeah put out two releases so far <clears throat> i don't know where it's going to go it's not it's not a massive priority on my list but um but it's a nice thing to sort of have in the back pocket if anything turns up have you got any um any events coming up in the shop that people uh, want to know about so we've got um as mentioned earlier uh traditional heavy metal band witch hazel are coming to play um and we're hoping to have somebody a bit later in the year that i can't tell you at the moment um oh, i thought we were going to get an exclusive then for a minute Sadly not. Um, <laughs> just, just David, just give us a taste. Who are we talking? <laughs> you can't, you just, can't you know, do just, that. Just, just, just give us a taste. Genre. <laughs> it's it, it, Well, it's not. It, it's not going to be the Beatles, is it? It's not the Beatles. No, I'm, I'm not. For fuck's sake. <laughs> but no, I mean, I don't know. These things just kind of happen organically. You know, they just spring up. You know, sometimes people will just say, "Hey, can we come and do this?" Or you know, people will come come in and um, do little sign-in sessions or or whatever. But um, yeah, we're just just waiting to see really, sort of who comes who comes knocking or who presents themselves. I I, I think it's great on a slightly different scale. But um, a couple of months ago, Ricky Warwick was doing record stalls up and down the country, and we went to see him do his little thing in in a HMV in Crawley, and it was really good fun. Forty minutes, yeah, told some stories, really good fun. I did, I did message them, but I didn't hear back. Ah, see, there. Um, I've, I've got, I've got a question. Just again, like slightly off, off, off. Uh, you know, on, on a tangent. Shock. Oh, what, God. what would it take for you to throw someone out of your shop? What would it take? <laughs> yeah, like, like, like they come in, like, like, is it, is it like they have to ask a question, a, a stupid question? They come in wearing the wrong shirt. You know, I mean, I know, I know the customer. The customers think they're always right, but no, they're not. You know, usually the shop owner is. Um, so uh, you know, they walk in wearing a Sergeant Pepper's t-shirt. They're Canadian. Are you like, get the fuck out of my shop? I'm Misfits t-shirt right now. I will have you know. Thank you. Okay, yeah. Well, that's that's the saving grace. Yeah, I'm pretty tolerant, really. <laughs> I, I've I've been asked. I've had people come in and ask where the classical section is. Um, yeah, well, well, don't you just point them? Don't you just point them to like right. Master of Puppets? So, <laughs> so, so here's the good point then is that for someone like me, like I grew up with a fairly strict diet of like rhythm and blues, hard rock, some jazz, soul, yeah. obviously the Beatles. There's always like there's like gateway albums, right? Like I remember getting into punk and having friends who were just absolutely they were just disgusted by it. And finding like that gateway album, there's always a couple, right, that you can recommend. So, what do you recommend as a gateway album then, gateway. for someone like me? Um, oh God, how many times has it been mentioned? Probably Master of Puppets, yeah, uh, which is a great album. But I think that's again, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a person that like needs to see things live. Like, I went to see Lamb of God live in Seoul, and it was the wrong, the wrong time to see them because it was the wrong crowd. But it was a great show. They were excellent. Like they they played really well. We had but it in... wasn't quite enough, you know. Yeah, they came in a few months ago. I was going to ask you about that. How did that come yeah. about? Did they just did they just did they just rock up, or did you know they were coming? So a few months before, um, we're on the Anthrax tour that just went round. Last Anthrax tour, um, they toured with Municipal Waste. 
So um, I mess it. I was like, oh, fuck it. I'm gonna see- I love municipal waste. I'm going to see if I can get municipal waste in the shop. So I, I just messaged um, Ryan and um, he messaged back and he goes, oh, yeah, well, you know, when we're in town, we'll, we'll try and swing by. Um, and then Tony Forrester put up um, an Instagram post that, oh, yeah, playing Bristol tomorrow. And, um, and somebody said, oh, you've got to go to Black City Records. So then he followed our Instagram page and I'm on the bus on the way in. And um, I noticed that he had taken a photo of of a Banksy painting, which is literally a stone's throw from the shop. So I messaged him and I said, dude, we're open in about 10 minutes if you want to swing by. And he went, oh, yeah, I'll try and try and come by. So I'm like, fuck. Um, thinking, OK, yeah, I'm not going to see him. So I get in, open up the shop. And um, I'm fiddling around doing something. Next thing I hear is, hey, dude, how's it going, man? And um, so, yeah. And That's then, fucking awesome. And um, and then later on, Ryan came over, Dave Drummer came over, and um, and they were basically just kind of hanging out here for most of the day before the gig. Um, so then they come back around on the Lamb of God tour, and... Um, they came in and it was pissing down rain outside, so I'm making them cups of tea. And, uh, <laughs> and then and Tony goes, "Oh, I, I've told Randy to come over here." And I'm like, "Oh, cool, okay." <laughs> they drink their tea and they bugger off. And then um, I'm in here all on my own. There's no one around. And then I look outside the door and there's this guy on his phone on Google Maps, looking really confused with dreadlocks. I'm thinking, "Fucking hell, it's Randy." So I, I said, Randy, are you looking for me? And he's like, oh, yeah, I hear I can get some tea here. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, he came in, just hung out, and we had, um, yeah, just had a nice chat. Right. The official metal band tea shop. That's lovely. Yeah. Question is, though, did they spend any money? Municipal waste are ardent vinyl buyers. Yeah, I've seen it on social media, yeah. So, um, yeah, they, they, they spend money. And, uh, oh, um, they bought across. Um, what's his name? Uh, oh, name escapes me now. It's, it's literally written the other side of that post um, from Creator as well. And um, so yeah, it was really good. It's, it's just nice when things like that happen. Yeah, yeah, and it's, okay. it's good for the shop as well, isn't it? It's, it, it it all helps give publicity at the end of the day, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. But it, it goes back to what we've been saying though on on various other podcasts. It, it, it's it's that sense of community. The, the the bands and I'm sure even the really big bands are like this. They've 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 still got that sense of community and the connection with the fan base and the, the connection with the infrastructure that makes the fan base that makes the fan base work. You know, like you know, you, you, you can't sustain a genre like this that doesn't really get the mainstream attention it deserves. And neither neither do we want the mainstream attention. We'd rather have it underground. We'd rather have it just bubbling under the surface. But you still need to have everyone kind of like pulling for the same team kind of thing. Yeah. You know, so like, you know, if bands like that are willing to come to a record store and just hang out with the owner and drink tea and then post it on their social media, that's fucking great. And it's like, you know, I mean, I've said this before, like, I, I you know, doing the job I've done, I've worked in multiple countries and it doesn't matter. You, if, if, if you, if you like metal, 
and you go to like we, me and my Do wife. Remember, we were in Seoul when Dio died. Yeah, yeah. And it was we went to a metal bar, and everyone. I mean, there were like people that couldn't speak to each other in any language, and everyone's just crying and like hugging each other. Do you know what it was? It was really yeah. It's community. Yeah, and and and, and the band David was it's the best it, the the bar the it's the best name for a metal bar I've ever heard, <laughs> and it was just called it on, in big red letters on the outside, priest or Sabbath question mark. <laughs> that was the name of the bar. And um, you go in and they've just got, they've got all the vinyl. Was, instead of having wallpaper, it was, yes. just, it was just vinyl. That's the thing is that all the metal um, bars yeah. in Asia are essentially vinyl yeah. bars. And, that's... And, and, and that's the other cool thing. So you get, you go to like a, in Korea and Japan, you go to bars like that and they've got all the vinyl behind the bar and they've just got a pile of post-it notes and you write down whatever you want. And if they've got it, they'll play it. And if they don't have it, they'll get it on YouTube. And they've, they've got good record players and, it doesn't cost you anything to play the music, and they 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 mm. never say no. If you want to put Slay on, if you want to put Death yeah. on, if you want to put Bon Jovi on, they're like whatever. They'll just queue it up. They've got the post-it notes in front of the computer, and you can just sit there all night, just getting absolutely rat-assed on <laughs> on like ridiculously strong rum and cokes. And that's why I met my that's wife. Where we met? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like we said, like 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 we said at the top of the show, it's we're all here for the same reason. We do this for escapism, you know, businesses like yourself, shops like Crypt of the Wizard, still flying that flag from metal. It, it will never die. We know that. And again, it sounds cliched, but, you know, what was it? Was it Steve Hughes who said, um, I used to be a metal fan? Well, someone said no, that to it, him. It, no, you, Steve, you're either a metal fan or you're not. Yeah, yeah Steve Hughes says, you know, and, and it's like, if, if you look at the, um, that, that, um, that documentary is um, a headbanger, a metal's journey. Yeah. And I think it's the guy from creative goes, no one ever turns around to someone and goes, yeah, there was that one summer when I was like really into Slayer. <laughs> like, you know, you, you're, you're either into Slayer or you're not. You, you, this is not something that you just get into for a couple of weeks. So, you know, yeah, you're right. I mean, so David, I've got to ask, I've asked, I've asked other people this, what are your pet peeves in metal? Um, like, like one thing we've got is people that go to metal shows and just hold up their phone and record it. Yeah, probably that. Um, I went to see Metallica once. Uh, I, it was the first concert I took my son to. Um, so we couldn't get sort of pit wise because he was too young, but we managed to get front row seats um, on the edge of the O2 in London. And we were sat next to a dad and his daughter. And his daughter was probably about 16. And she spent the whole gig. She watched the whole gig through her phone. Uh, I just, it's just like worse. You're never going to watch that. You're never going to watch it. And being as Metallica, literally record everything they do. Yeah. Why? Why? Why are you doing this? So yeah, that's that's probably one I have to say. Do you know what? I don't. I don't like siloing too much. People that silo scenes you know you know we're, we're, we're heavy metal it's all of us you know and it's kind of like we're, you know people that will I, I don't know what i'm trying to say but um you know people that will disregard the past to a degree yeah right off right off the old bands like zeppelin and purple and who were yeah uh, we, we we were at a house party last year and there, there was just one one person from work that was there oh i've been to download eight times and I was like, oh, cool. So, like, you know, I, I mean, I remember going there when it was 
because me, me and Trigenza went to download when it was, it was, was it was at the last Ozfest, wasn't it, Steve? Uh, yeah, well, the Ozfest was was before download. First yeah, download yeah. Was but then and then and then and then she starts ragging on these fucking old. Well, you listen to these old bands, and I said, listen, I don't care if you like my Chemical Romance and my Bullet for My Valentine and stuff like that. But you wouldn't have those bands if it wasn't for Metallica and Slayer and Anthrax and Sabbath and Priest. Like, you know, you've got to and I and I, I remember saying just I said, show some fucking respect. Oh man, yeah. I would murder to see Judas Priest. That would be fucking amazing. You know, because like <laughs> look, and, and, you know, the thing that the thing that gets on my nerves is like when me and Trigens started listening to metal or when like, when we were at college or before before we were doing our A levels and stuff, metal was on its ass. And like this is just before like all the inflames and the Scandinavian stuff emerged, and the only band flying the flag was really Pantera. Mm. And you know we used to get the piss ripped out of us for having. Oh, you know, do you remember like people would cut? Oh, you, you're marrying mountains and wrist slitting freaks and all this kind of stuff. We kept that fucking people like us lot kept that scene going in the nineties when it was on its ass before Maiden came back, before you had the new wave of American heavy metal, etc., etc., etc. And you're just like you know. Don't fucking piss on the fans because, you know, it's, it's just fucking disrespectful. Like, there's a continuity to metal that you can't disregard. Yeah. I mean, okay. it's, there was that period, you know, there was that period, late 90s, early 2000s, when, when metal had pretty much gone away. Yeah. You know, it had lied down and gone to sleep. And, um, you know, just... Mm. Just the the lack of respect that that some people have for for its heritage, and it's you know it's like Jesus Christ, man! You are standing with very dirty shoes on the shoulders of giants. You know, without these people, none of this was would exist. None of what you do would exist. You know, and it's kind of like, come on, show some respect. You know what I think. That's where we end this. I, I can't think of a better way to finish this episode, really. Um, wearing very dirty shoes, standing on the shoulders of giants. I'm going to remember that quote for many years. I think that's 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 beautiful. Um, that's David, a T-shirt. That's yeah, a T-shirt. I think, I think it is. Yeah, I might have to steal it and put it on a on a fucking yeah on a, an in the abyss T-shirt. Um, David, thank you so much for coming on this week, taking out your Friday night, and uh, welcome. seeing us two fools. Well, two fools and one fool's wife. Okay. Um, I suppose just to thank you as well for for piping up with your Beatles nonsense, but we, we won't be getting uh, that again. Um, I, yeah, I feel like that's going to get edited out. It's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, next next week's show, uh, it will just be me. Um, I'll be joined by by Joe from Earn to talk about their new album. Um, the first single that drops off that is 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 an absolute fucking ripper. So I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, I'll be having a chat with him. Um, yeah. Other than that, David, like I said, thank you very much. And, uh, Thanks, David. We will um, next time I'm back in the West Country. We will. Uh, I will definitely be coming in for a visit. Well, I'll be in. We'll, Brist- be, we'll be in. We'll be in Bristol in July, so we'll come and see you. He's oh, closed then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever day that is, I'm shut. <laughs> I'll come without him. Uh, yeah, yeah. As ever, thanks for listening, and uh, we will catch you next week. Cheers. <laughs>